0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, REI Co-op. REI has gear, clothing, classes, and advice for camping and glamping, biking and hiking, axing and snacksing. Visit your local REI Co-op or REI.com for the million and one ways to opt outside.
1: It's a weight felt by over 43 million Americans, and that includes many of you.
2: I graduated with my PhD and over $150,000 in debt, federal debt, student loans, and an additional 25 to $30,000 in private student loan debt.
3: I have about $140,000 in student debt. I am a first-generation lawyer.
4: I have over eighty thousand dollars in student loan debt, most of which is interest, and there is very little chance I'll be able to pay it off any time in my life.
5: Those of us in generation X, we did take out student loans, and meanwhile, we do also have children that are on their way to college or are in college right now. And if we could get some relief in our own student loan debt, it will be really helpful in letting us have the opportunity to help pay for our own children instead of adding more and more onto student loan debt among all of us.
1: According to the Education Data Initiative, the average student loan debt balance is upwards of $40,000, and the cost of college keeps rising. Over the past 20 years, college tuition at in-state public universities has risen 175%. The numbers can be dizzying, especially for recent high school grads. The Supreme Court is set to decide the fate of President Biden's student debt relief plan. At the same time, the pandemic-era pause on student loan payments is set to end, For over three years now, borrowers with federal loans haven't had to pay a dime, but it all may be about to change. For this installment of our Life in Debt series in collaboration with Bloomberg News, we take a closer look at student debt and what comes next. I'm Jen White. You're listening to the 1A Podcast, where we get to the heart of the story. We've got a lot to get into, so stay with us. Established 100 years ago, the Kresge Foundation works to expand equity and opportunity in cities across America. A century of impact, a future of opportunity. More at kresge.org.
0: This message comes from Wired. On Wired Politics Lab, you will be guided through the exciting, challenging, and sometimes entertaining vortex of Internet extremism, conspiracies, and disinformation. Listen to Wired Politics Lab wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Let's get into the conversation and welcome our guests. Akela Gardner is a White House correspondent with Bloomberg News. Betsy Mayotte is the founder and president of the Institute of Student Loan Advisors. It provides free advice on student loans. She's been working in the student loan industry, doing compliance and advocacy work for over 20 years. And Adam Minsky. He's an attorney who focuses on helping student loan borrowers and their families. He's also a senior contributor at Forbes. Thank you all for joining us. So let's first just parse out the student loan debt relief avenues. So first came the emergency pause for student debt enacted by President Trump during the start of the pandemic. Adam, explain that initial pause and how it's been able to be extended now for over three years.
4: Sure, of course. So uh, so, so President Trump initially, uh, through executive authority, uh, paused all payments and interest on government-held federal student loans in response to the COVID-19 pandemic in March 2020. And Congress then codified, that shortly after that through passage of the cares Act which was that large stimulus package that was passed as the economy started tanking as a result of the pandemic now Congress originally envisioned the payment pause lasting six months uh, but then president Trump and then subsequently President Biden uh, used executive authority to extend the pause repeatedly uh, beyond that uh, that original six months and they relied on, the HEROES Act of 2003, uh, which is an older piece of legislation that gives the Education Department pretty broad authority to modify or waive rules governing federal student loan programs during times of an emergency, such as a pandemic. So President Trump uh, used that authority to extend the pause, and then President Trump, uh, sorry, uh, and then President Biden followed suit uh, after that.
1: Well, this week, Education Secretary Miguel Cardona spoke at a Senate hearing. Here's what he said.
4: We're uh, preparing to restart uh, repayment because uh, the the emergency is, is uh, period is over and we're preparing our, our borrowers to restart.
1: Okay, so preparing borrowers to start paying. Betsy, when should people be prepared to start sending in that money again?
2: Well, uh, we don't have the exact timeline yet other than the last we heard, the Department of Education had stated that the current pause – would end uh, either 60 days after the Supreme Court gives their decision on the Biden-Harris debt relief uh, or by August, whichever comes sooner. So as far as when people should be prepared to actually have to, to hit that uh, make a payment button, um, I'm estimating somewhere around September or October. Adam, is there any, any
1: likelihood of another extension of this pause on repayments?
4: It's a really good question. Um, you know, so the COVID emergency has officially ended, and that's been a central justification of the repeated extensions of the relief. And now that that has ended, you know, there certainly arguably is is less of a rationale for extending it. That being said, the HEROES Act doesn't necessarily require that the emergency be ongoing, for uh, relief to be granted under that statute. In theory, the administration could argue that the relief is still in response to that emergency and the harm caused by it. Um, uh even though the the emergency has technically ended that being said there's no signs as far as i'm aware that the administration is seriously considering a further extension uh, they are saying that they are preparing to return to repayment this fall uh, but you know some folks might remember that we've we've been through this before there's been several times where, we were told that the pause, uh, uh, this was the final extension, only for it to be extended again at the last moment. So I suppose anything is possible, but I think it would be prudent for borrowers to anticipate a return to, re- to repayment in September or October, as Betsy referenced.
1: I want to get into the details of President Biden's student debt forgiveness plan. But first, Akayla, how much of a priority is student debt relief for President Biden?
3: Student debt relief is something that was one of Biden's campaign promises when he ran for president in 2020. And on the trail, he made this commitment to cancel $10,000 in student debt per borrower. And in pursuing this program, he even went beyond that to extend $20,000 in relief for Pell Grant recipients. And for those who don't know, those are people who are undergraduate students who basically display an exceptional amount of financial need. And that commitment was seen as a pretty big deal, especially because Biden has branded himself as a moderate. And this was an idea that had been talked about by progressives like Bernie Sanders for years. So it was really seen as a shift of the center in democratic politics. And one might ask, even though he campaigned on this in 2020, why the president waited almost 19 months to release it. And so there's a number of reasons why that could have happened. And one is we know that Biden's team internally heavily debated the merits of broad student debt cancellation. And then the president had also hoped that Congress might act on its own to pursue debt relief. Another reason on the timing potentially is because the policy isn't popular with some moderate Democrats. Think Joe Manchin. And the White House may have been waiting to pass some of its key legislative pieces like the Inflation Reduction Act before introducing this plan in order to avoid upsetting some of those lawmakers. And lastly, because it was released in August, just months before the midterms, it was also viewed as a way to energize the base. So whether it's all or some of those of those reasons, waiting nearly two years could have hurt the administration's legal argument here because they were relying on the pandemic. And as you know, my other panelists noted earlier, that relief for that emergency declaration has now ended just about a week ago.
1: Adam, can you give us just a brief rundown on the cases before the Supreme Court holding up Biden's student loan forgiveness plan?
4: Yeah. So, I mean, uh, before uh, anyone could actually receive any student loan forgiveness uh, under this plan, there were a number of legal challenges trying to stop it. Most of those challenges were tossed, but two of them resulted in the program being blocked. And then the Biden administration appealed those decisions to the Supreme Court, which agreed to take up the cases. Uh, the two cases uh, uh, are somewhat different, but uh, but similar arguments. Uh, essentially, So first case involves a coalition of Republican-led states Which are arguing that the debt relief plan would financially harm a state related loan servicing entity called Mohila, based in Missouri. uh, And that harm would in turn then harm the finances of the states. Uh, The second case involves a couple of individual borrowers who uh, aren't entitled under the rules of the program to receive the maximum amount of forgiveness, the $20,000. And they're arguing that the way the program was established, uh, prevented them from publicly commenting on it and participating in the regulations, and uh, that has harmed them uh, as well. The the two major legal questions, though, in both of these cases, number one, whether the program, of course, is legal. Uh, just like with the payment pause, the Biden administration relied on the pandemic authority under the HEROES Act to, uh, to, uh, to authorize the program. Uh, but the second question, and arguably the one that ultimately might be the issue that decides the cases, is the issue of standing, whether the challengers who brought these cases in the first place uh, can demonstrate uh, a harm that is both concrete and directly tied to the program that would entitle them to the relief they're seeking, which is striking down the program entirely for everyone.
1: Akela, those are the Supreme Court cases, but Republicans are taking aim at student debt relief and multiple bills. Explain what they're doing.
3: Yes, well, I would say that this plan has received pretty universal opposition from Republicans since the White House has announced it. And there's basically two avenues in Congress right now that they're pursuing to cancel or nullify this program. One is through McCarthy's proposed debt limit bill and also through a separate bill that hopes to nullify it. Both of those face very small chances of succeeding, but that's what we're seeing in Congress.
1: We got this email from Stewart in Virginia who says, I forwent my dream university to attend a less prestigious institution, which offered me a full scholarship. I also worked part-time. Graduating debt-free allowed me to start saving in my early 20s. Prospective students should be careful when weighing the cost of going into debt when choosing a school. But Jessica emailed this, I'm 52 and I can finally see the light at the end of the tunnel. I've been paying off my student loan of $28,000 since 2000, paying out more than $40,000 in interest. If I had been able to refinance my debt like a mortgage or car, I'd have been out years sooner. The way things are now, it's a total racket. We'll be back with more in just a moment. Support for NPR and the following message come from the Walton Family Foundation, working to create access to opportunity for people and communities by tackling tough social and environmental problems. More information is at waltonfamilyfoundation.org.
0: Hello, I'm Johnny O'Hanson, Jr. Join me each week on In Black America as we profile current and historically significant figures whose stories help illuminate life in Black America. You don't want to miss the conversation. KUT Radio and In Black America are members of the NPR Network. Thanks for listening to In Black America.
1: Let's get back to the conversation with this email we got from Danica in DC who says, I graduated with a Bachelor of Architecture degree last year, which requires five years of education. I now have six figure debt, as do most of my architecture classmates. It's pretty soul crushing. Today, my monthly loan payments are such a large percentage of my income, I can't afford to move out yet. Incomes in the industry are low while the tuition required for education is high. The Biden loan forgiveness will help a bit, but I will be in debt for a long time. Akilah, why do Republicans say they don't support this student debt relief plan?
3: Well, one of the reasons that many Republicans raise is they say that that price tag is just simply too high. The Congressional Budget Office estimates that Just debt cancellation alone could cost the government as much as $400 billion. And coupled with the program's new income-driven repayment program, which basically slashes monthly payments for borrowers, it could be closer to $600 billion, according to their estimates. And so they say in an inflationary environment, it's just not a responsible use of money. Now, I should note that economists are divided over whether it would actually impact inflation, but nonetheless, Republicans would rather see that amount of federal money left alone. Some of them also just say they don't believe the president has the authority. They say that the constitution doesn't grant him or President Biden specifically that kind of power. They say that only Congress has this power. And lastly, they think that it's unfair to people who chose not to pursue college because of how expensive it was or chose to be a service member or or go the military route. And we know that Republicans, their base tends to be people who are low income, blue collar. And so for them, this is just simply not popular politically.
1: Betsy, when we're talking about President Biden's plan, the one that's before the Supreme Court right now, how far will it go to relieving some of this debt pressure from students if it it goes through? We're not talking about wholesale giving people just, (laughs) you don't have to pay anything back. It's just a portion,
2: right? Well, for some people, it will, it would mean, if it were to make it through, it would mean all of a sudden having a zero balance. And those people tend to be people that either have been paying their loans since the earth cooled uh, or people that have lower debt balances to begin with. And while that might seem unfair, um, I personally appreciated the mindfulness of this because believe it or not, people with lower balances from the onset actually. tend to have a higher default rate than those with the six-figure balances. And the reason for that is the vast majority of borrowers that end up, that come out of school with lower student loan balances, it's because they never finish their degree. Hmm. So these are borrowers that have debt and no degree. Uh, So it it could have a life-changing impact, even though it's For some borrowers that end up with the six-figure amounts, it might just be a drop in the bucket.
1: Well, we also hear from a lot of people who talk about the interest they pay on loans and how that interest amount sometimes is more than what they actually took out in the first place. Can you explain that?
2: Yeah, so we hear about that a lot, you know, especially one of the features of the COVID pause is not only did it pause payments, but it paused interest. So people have been enjoying a zero percent interest rate. And I hear from a lot of borrowers saying, you know what? If forgiveness goes through, great, but if they could keep the interest at zero or reduce the interest, that would be a a much bigger impact uh, on my overall repayment success. Um, You know, federal student loans have a pretty unique feature where you can get payments that are lower than what your typical 10-year term would be, uh, payments based on your income and so on. Uh, The benefit of that is that it keeps the payments affordable, but the negative of that is it extends the term and therefore the amount of interest that you're paying on your loan, which is why we're hearing all these stories of people who have paid back much, much more than they've borrowed, but yet still have a balance.
1: President Biden is looking at other ways to lighten the student debt low. The Department of Education has canceled more than $66 billion in debt under programs already put in place. Adam, what are some other options for borrowers who are looking for relief?
4: Yeah, I mean, the good news here is that despite the block by the federal courts right now as the Supreme Court considers whether to uphold or strike down Biden's one-time cancellation plan, there's all these other programs that are already working for people. Uh, one of the big ones that's been in the news a lot lately is something called the Limited PSLF Waiver, uh, which stands for the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program. This has been a long-troubled program that can provide loan forgiveness to folks who commit to careers working in nonprofit and uh, and public organizations after 10 years, but it's had a whole bunch of problems, uh, rules that uh, are complex, um, poor servicing. So the Biden administration relaxed a lot of those rules and allowed more people to qualify. And the result has been something like 650,000 borrowers, I believe, have gotten their loans completely discharged under that waiver. Uh, there's also a new initiative going uh, into effect uh, as we speak called the IDR Account Adjustment, which waives uh, some rules and requirements for folks seeking loan forgiveness uh, under income-driven repayment plans. There has been a streamlined uh, data sharing initiative to make it easier for disabled borrowers to get relief through the Total Permanent Disability Discharge Program. And the administration has also released new regulations governing a number of loan forgiveness and discharge programs, including Borrower Defense to Repayment, which is a program designed to help people who were defrauded by their schools. A lot of these new regulations, which are set to go into effect this summer, uh, will make it easier for borrowers to apply for and receive relief under a number of these programs.
1: Betsy, what about at the state level? What program should borrowers be aware of that could offer them some debt relief?
2: So, you know, as Adam mentioned, some of the most well-known student loan forgiveness programs, such as public service loan forgiveness and the income-driven plans. But what a lot of people don't realize is there's actually over a 100 student loan forgiveness programs. Um, Many, I would go so far as to say most states, have some sort, if not multiple, student loan forgiveness programs. Um, A lot of them are based on profession uh, there's quite a few for the people in the healthcare industry or teachers or public defenders, but there's also some some sort of uh, unique ones, such as the state of Kansas that offers student loan forgiveness just for moving to Kansas. Mm. Uh, so we have a database of those forgiveness programs on our website, but just using your Google skills you'll come across quite a few of them.
1: Uh, Kayla, how much will student debt? Play a part in the twenty twenty four presidential election, if you
3: look at polling the electorate at large, attitudes on student debt is is pretty mixed. But if you look at specific demographics like black voters, Latino voters, and particularly young voters, that calculus changes, and the pop the policy is pretty popular with those groups. Young voters specifically turned out to be very influential in the midterms, and they were in 2020 as well for Biden. But polling shows that while the issue is important for young voters, other issues still were more impactful to their vote in the midterms. This Harvard Youth Poll for voters between 18 and 29 showed only 9% of young people said student debt was within their top two most important issues. So other issues like abortion, climate change, inflation were still more important for that voting block. But at the same time, the vast majority of young Americans want to see some kind of government action. And a voters of tomorrow poll show that young people know about Biden's student loan forgiveness program more than any of his other policies. So while it may not necessarily drive their vote, it's still top of mind. and it's hard to imagine that if the Supreme Court does strike down this program, that there won't be disappointment here.
1: Well, Education Secretary Miguel Cardona said that restarting payments will be unprecedented and, quote, a huge lift for our team. Adam, what logistical concerns do you have if and when those payments start up again?
4: <laughs> I, I have plenty. Um, you know, there's, there's a couple of sides of this. You know, there's the fact that, you know, something like 40 million borrowers have not had to make payments on their loans or, frankly, even look at their accounts in many cases for over three years. Um, And a lot has changed during that time. Financial circumstances may have changed. Someone may have gotten married or divorced. Their job has changed. The loan servicing industry has gone through a lot of changes. Millions of borrowers have had their accounts shifted over to new servicers during that time. Uh, The Department of Education is also unfortunately facing a bit of a cash crunch. They were flat funded. Um, The Office of Federal Student Aid was flat funded in the last budget. And so what's essentially happening is these uh, loan servicers and the Department of Education uh, have all these new programs to implement, but no new money to do it. And some loan servicers have actually started laying off workers uh, and cutting customer service hours. And so it's creating what could be a perfect storm of problems where you have millions of borrowers simultaneously all resuming repayment, which has never happened before, while the Department of Education and the loan servicing system is frankly, about to buckle uh, uh, without enough resources or funding or staff to handle it. It could be a real problem. I have concerns, and a lot of other consumer advocates have serious concerns as well.
1: Betsy, how are you preparing borrowers for potential chaos?
2: Well, to speak to uh, Adam's comments, I'm suggesting that they uh, prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Uh, put their patient's pants on is another way I put it, Uh, but make sure they know who holds their student loans. Log on to studentaid.gov and they can get a list of their federal student loans and who's currently the servicer. Make sure their servicer has their current contact information. And then to make sure they don't miss any important information or deadlines, open all the things, Um, you know, open all the letters, open all the emails, And finally, get an idea now what your monthly payment's going to be, and if it's not a a number that is affordable and that'll fit in your budget, utilize the tools available at studentaid.gov and other places to figure out which payment plan will best fit your budget and get your paperwork in for that.
1: Well, one thing you wanted to mention, Betsy, with the return of payments is also the potential resurgence of scams. What should borrowers be looking out for?
2: Well, unfortunately, all these uh, great programs and improvements to student loan regulations that have happened, in addition to, as Adam put it, the perfect storm that could be on the horizon for student loan repayment, this is uh, birthday, Thanksgiving, Easter, and Christmas for the student loan scammers. Uh, It gives them a lot of uh, what sound like reasonable talking points uh, to bait uh, potential victims of these student loan scams. Uh, The bottom line is, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And maybe even more important, you never have to pay for student loan advice or for access to a program or a repayment option um, that you wouldn't normally be eligible for. There isn't a person on the planet, including the people on this program today, uh, that can get you access to a benefit that you can't do yourself directly through your loan servicer.
1: In just a moment, we'll hear from Democratic Congresswoman Ayanna Presley. She co-sponsored a bill urging the use of the Higher Education Act to cancel student loan debt. Akela, what are you hearing about that option?
3: Me and my colleague Nancy Cook have been reporting that the administration is under pressure to basically use that act as a plan B in case they're not successful in the Supreme Court. So I'm definitely interested to hear what the Congresswoman has to say about that option.
1: Akela Gardner is a White House correspondent with Bloomberg News. Thanks for being here. We'll be back with more from you and our guests in just a moment.
0: This message comes from NPR sponsor FX presenting Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This message comes from NPR sponsor REI Co-op. REI has gear, clothing, classes, and advice for camping and glamping, biking and hiking, axing and... snacksing? Visit your local REI Co-op or REI.com for the million and one ways to opt outside.
1: This message comes from NPR sponsor Progressive Insurance, where drivers who switch could save hundreds on car insurance. Get your quote at Progressive.com today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Let's get back to the conversation with this message we got from one of you.
0: The student loan crisis in this country has gotten to the point where it's just ridiculous to think that someone might be against just forgiving it all. I still personally have very little student loans compared to some other people I know
1: and I won't get as much from this forgiveness but even the amount it's I'm getting would be incredible let's add another voice to the conversation congresswoman Ayanna Presley joins us now she's a democrat representing Massachusetts 7th district representative Presley thanks for joining us Good to be with you. So Republicans are seeking to thwart President Biden's student debt forgiveness plan. A House GOP bill targets President Biden's proposed income-driven repayment plan. This issue is turning out to be a hard fight for Democrats. How confident are you that student debt relief will be a reality?
5: Well, look, we fought for years uh, to get this done and to move student debt cancellation. This was an issue that people tried to uh, fringe and marginalize. We worked for over two years to build a big and broad and diverse coalition of borrowers and uh, union uh, families and workers and presidents and um, civil rights organizations, the number one issue for the uh, NAACP, in fact, and ultimately President Biden acted, being responsive to the demands of that coalition, but to the needs of the people, uh, burdened by this nearly $2 trillion crisis. And the president acted and uh, by executive action with the stroke of a pen, wanting to uh, provide this transformative relief for uh, some 40 million-plus uh, people. Uh, Those with Pell Grants, $20,000 canceled, and non Pell Grant recipients, uh, $10,000. This is an economic justice issue. It's a gender justice issue. issue Nearly two thirds of this $2 trillion crisis are bore by women. And it's a racial justice issue because uh, Black and Brown and Black borrowers in particular uh, borrow and default at higher rates. And so this will zero out. for one in four black borrowers, this stands to, to zero out their debt completely.
1: But again, Congresswoman, right now we know there are two cases in the Supreme Court around debt relief. We know the GOP is, has a number of bills targeting this proposal from President Biden. Will this be a reality for people who are facing this debt? Is this going to happen, do
4: you think?
5: Well, listen, uh, people did not think we'd get an executive action uh, on student debt cancellation. So uh, I'm always going to, to fight the good fight, particularly on an issue as consequential as this one. This debt is choking people, and it's not just a millennial or Gen Z issue. And it's disingenuous um, for people to say, well, I did it and others can too. Uh, we should want more and better for the next generation. But moreover, uh, I have 76-year-olds in my district on fixed incomes. Uh, who are worried they're going to die are uh, still paying on this debt. And at this time uh, they are paying more than they even borrowed uh, educators who have uh, confided with me about uh, suicide ideation, the psychological toll of this debt, debt they took on because they want to teach our babies and they can barely meet uh, the monthly uh, minimums. Uh, I'm not surprised that the GOP is doing everything in their power and, 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 you know, and have many co-conspirators in that effort, unfortunately, to uh, obstruct and overturn the will of the majority of the people. Uh, I understand where it is with the Supreme Court, but the legal case is sound. President Biden has the authority. This is transformative, life-changing relief for some 40 million plus people, and the case is, the legal case is sound.
1: I, I want you to hear from one of our listeners.
2: We need to be fiscally responsible for our debt and going on to college. One should expect if you cannot pay in full that there will be a balance at the end of your college time. I also feel that the money that the government wants to spend in relief would better be spent on the high schools and counselors instructing parents and family and prospective students.
1: As you've alluded to Congresswoman, you've heard this argument before. People take out house loans and and credit card loans, and they aren't given relief. Specifically, when we're talking about taxpayer money, and we should note that about 83% of American adults don't have student loans. What is the argument you make for providing relief through taxpayer money for those who did take out loans?
5: Jen, again, this is an issue of consequence that is affecting people from every walk of life. Uh, It is destabilizing families, choking at really the promise of our families, our communities, and this country. And it's uh, disingenuous uh, to use uh, really a dated uh, comparison that is hardly an apples-to-apples comparison. You can't say we live in a meritocracy. And that education is life's great equalizer. When we have put it farther and farther out of reach for people, the cost of higher education has increased by one hundred and fifty percent. So I agree that there are other. There's other work that we need to do. We have to expand uh, Pell grants. We have to invest in HBCUs and vocational education. Uh, there are so many other uh, ways that we need to get at this. Um, but it's not or. It's it's both and. Uh, Because, again, this is impacting people from every walk of life, from seniors to new parents, uh, and again, to to disparate impact on uh, black and brown communities. For example, black Americans have been locked out of every major federal relief program in this country, from the GI Bill to the Homestead Act. Our families are targeted uh, by redlining, denying us the ability to build generational wealth, uh, which is why we borrow at higher rates. So this is an economic justice issue. It's a gender justice issue. It's a racial justice issue. Uh, these legal challenges that have been mounted are nothing more than frivolous partisan attempts to prevent what is a legal, popular, and sorely needed policy from going into effect. The Supreme Court should uphold the law and affirm the president's authority to cancel student debt.
1: You're a co-sponsor of a bill calling for President Biden to use <laughs> an executive order to cancel up to $50,000 for federal loan borrowers. Now in 2021, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said in a press briefing that President Biden couldn't forgive student debt, even if he wants to. There's dig- disagreement over the legality of the president's authority to fully forgive student loans. What's your argument for why he has that legal authority?
5: Well, the president uh, has the legal authority. It's been uh, you know, given to him by Congress uh, and the same authority that was used uh, to pause student loan payments during the pandemic, uh, which uh, myself and others advocated for. It's the same. It's the same authority. Uh, so the legal case is sound. The, the president uh, has acted, being responsive to uh, the demands of this uh, broad and diverse issues-based coalition, um, but, moreover, responsive to the needs of the people. And executive action is the most direct and precise way to get this done. And the legal authority is clear. And the president, I'm grateful. He's made a commitment, uh, regardless of the court, he should find a way, he will, uh, to get this done. <laughs>
1: If the Supreme Court rules against Biden's plan, what other options does Congress have to keep pursuing student loan forgiveness?
5: Look, I'm a firm believer that organized power is realized power. Uh, We've seen that over the last two years and that people did not even think we would get to the point of executive action on student debt uh, cancellation. So, uh, you know, as an organizer, I... uh, You know, I don't suffer for contingency plans. I always have one. But at this time, I'm not ceding any ground. The Supreme Court should uphold the president's legal authority. The authority is clear, and they should just uphold the law. So I'm not ceding ceding any ground here as an organizer. I always have contingency plans, but, you know, we're not there. Student debt cancellation is a popular policy. It's legally sound. It's deeply needed. It'll be transformational. Uh, When I think about the people that I've heard from throughout this country uh, who during the pandemic spoke about the impact it had on their lives to have that pause on payments. Uh, and that was just during uh, uh, during the pandemic. Imagine just how transformational and game changing it will be when we get this done for this 40 million plus people who stand to benefit from this relief.
1: That's U.S. Representative Ayanna Presley. She's a Democrat and represents Massachusetts' 7th District. Congresswoman, thanks for joining us. Thank you. And we're talking about student loan debt and answering your questions with Betsy Mayotte, founder and president of the Institute of Student Loan Advisors, and Adam Minsky, he's an attorney who focuses. I'm curious to hear from each of you your thoughts on the conversation we just heard with Congresswoman Presley. What stood out for you?
2: Uh, Well, you know, this is... You know, as she mentioned, this student loan forgiveness has been uh, a really important issue uh, for her office, as well as, uh, for example, Senator Warren's office. Uh, so I expected the messaging from her that, that we received. And, you know, I agree that this forgiveness program, uh, if it were to go through the Supreme Court, will be life changing for a lot of borrowers. I mean, going back to what I said earlier, about the borrowers with the lower balances or the ones that struggle the most. Uh, we're not talking just, you know, sort of getting rid of a debt that someone agreed to so much. We're talking about people who this will make the difference of, of whether they can pay their light bill or not. Uh, so, you know, I agree that that the, this form of student loan forgiveness can be transformational, especially to the most marginalized borrowers.
4: Adam, briefly, your thoughts. So... You know, one uh, you know very interesting question here uh, that uh, that we heard a little bit from the Congresswoman on was, you know, this idea is, is there going to be a backup plan, a contingency plan if the Supreme Court does wind up striking down the program? There has been a push by a coalition of consumer advocacy groups and some legal experts uh, to get the Biden administration to consider essentially reissuing the program under a different legal authority under the Higher Education Act if the court strikes down the program under the HEROES Act. The Higher Education Act uh, has its own provision that arguably could provide some authority to the education department to cancel student debt. And the administration is actually cited to that authority uh, in a different context involving uh, broad student loan cancellation. So I think it's an interesting question. What will the Biden administration do if the Supreme Court rules against them? Is there a backup plan? uh, And what would it look like? Let's go back to our voicemail box. Hello, my name is Blake calling from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Essentially, I think the answer to the student loan debt crisis is to move towards interest-free loans. It doesn't make any sense for students to be padding the pockets of any lenders just to get an education. And in fact, we're, we're already seeing what that does to people on the other end. It cripples the economy and it cripples, it kind of mortgages the future. So I think if we can get towards an interest-free type of world where the loans are basically backed by the federal government, not by private lenders that would be best for everyone? Adam, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, I mean, one of the problems is that even for government-issued loans, uh, the government is charging an interest rate. Uh, You know, we've heard several times throughout this discussion uh, that, you know, One of the biggest complaints from borrowers uh, is that you can pay back essentially everything that you borrowed and still owe an enormous balance because of how interest works and how interest can accrue in excess of your payments. Um, And interest can accrue and be capitalized during certain periods. And if something bad happens, like you slip into default because of a hardship, then even more fees are added as well. It can really become a hopeless situation. I definitely do think that we need interest reform. Uh, One of the nice features of the proposed overhaul of income-driven repayment by the Biden administration is that it would actually waive any excess interest that accrues above and beyond a borrower's monthly student loan payment. Um, So that's one example of, I think, a broad array of interest fixes that we need uh, for the student loan system.
1: That's Adam Minsky. He's an attorney who focuses on helping student loan borrowers and their families. He's also a senior contributor at Forbes. Also with us was Betsy Mayotte. She's the founder and president of the Institute of Student Loan Advisors. She's been working in the industry doing compliance and advocacy work for over 20 years. Thanks to you both. This conversation is part of our Life and Debt series in collaboration with Bloomberg News. Throughout the series, we discuss the federal debt ceiling, credit card debt, medical debt, and more. Today's producer was Michelle Harvin. Guiano produces our podcast. This program comes to you from WAMU, part of American University in Washington, distributed by NPR. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk more soon. This is 1A.
0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure. OCI is the platform for database, application development, and AI needs. Do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic. Take a free test drive at oracle.com slash NPR.
3: All that sitting and the swiping, your body is adapting to your technology. Learn how and what you can do about it. I really
1: felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated.